were actually a little bit more exuberant in how they said that. They believe it too. It's awesome. Um, this morning, we are in our series called Be Somebody. We've been here a while. We are talking on the topic of how we are to become like Christ. And last week, um, I have kind of introduced this verse. We're going to reintroduce the verse this week for uh, those of us who weren't here last week. But it was the way that we become like Christ and talking about the way of which we live our life. And if you were here uh, last week, and this, um, man, I'm, I'm really stepping out here when I do this because I'm really going to test to see if you're awake. Um, you go unless you get a... Man, that's awesome. I succeeded. You go unless you get a no. And that was kind of the idea of, of the way that we live our life. If we live our life centered on Christ with the idea of, of a Matthew 6.33 mentality, seeking first the kingdom of God, seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness, the Word says that all other things will be given unto us. So if we do those things, then we can go unless we get a no. If we're doing those things and we're trying to do what we want to do, then we need to stop right there and back up and we need to get back to Christ where it all starts. The sure foundation that we sang about. Um, incredible worship this morning through singing, was it not? Incredible. Um, let's go to the, to the Lord in prayer before we jump into this week's talk. And uh, let's just ask that He would um, just assemble us physically and mentally and spiritually. And Father, this morning we just pray unto You. We pray in the name of your Son that you would just help us this morning. I know that each and every one of us came into this place with, with baggage. And we came in this morning with burdens. And I know that our minds, over this, this next period of time, we could be thinking about so many other things. And I know that there are big things that burden us. But Father, I pray that we would just clear our plate mentally and spiritually. That we would just clear our plate and just to be filled with you over this next time together. Allow us to have open minds and open hearts so that we would just feel compelled to do something with what we hear today. We just pray that, Lord Jesus, you would just watch over us during this time, be with my, my speaking, and be with your word as it penetrates hearts. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, this morning's talk is called Jiminy Cricket Theology, right? What, what TV show was Jiminy Cricket off of? Somebody tell me. Pinocchio. Awesome. You're actually better than me because I ran, I, I was actually doing a, a search for this talk and the idea of a conscience. We're, we're speaking about our conscience today. And I was like, man, this thing is gold. And I found this, this quote from, from, it was through the movie of Pinocchio. And Jiminy Cricket said this, always let your conscience be your guide. Always let your conscience be your guide. Who's ever heard of that this morning? Always let your conscience be your guide. Now, we have some problems with that right out of the gate. I'm just letting you know that really the, the question that, that I hope that you have answered in your mind and heart this morning is, can you trust your conscience? Will your conscience guide you into all truth? Will your conscience be the thing that you should center your life and, like, and set the course and direction of your life? Is your conscience the thing that you're supposed to filter truth through? Is that your conscience? Those are some of the questions that I hope you have answered today. If you don't have those answered today, I did not do my job. Right? Um, we're going to be in the book of John, chapter 16. 
We're going to start out in verse 12 in our reading, but first we're going to go through uh, John 14, 6. It'll be on the screen. But if you notice, in John 16, this is actually a continuation in the same text of the teaching on the Holy Spirit. The context for, for John 14, 6 and this passage that we're going to be digging through today, of which I'm going to hopefully be able to give you three, uh, three truths that you can incorporate into your life. But my hope is that we would use all of this and that you would be so compelled to do something with what you hear. Because if you just hear something and your heart is just warmed and yet or you hear something and you just let it bounce off of you, then, then you're actually you're kind of missing the boat. I, my hope is and my prayer has been this week that what you hear would be centered into your heart. That it would, be, it would really minister to you that you would feel compelled to do something with what you hear today. That's, that's why we gather and that's when life change happens. But the context for this verse and the passage in John 16 is, uh, like I said, is the same as last week. This is before Jesus prays in the garden in John 17. Those of you, um, before that he would be uh, arrested and and beaten and bruised. We'll talk more about that um, in the next coming week or so with Easter. But, or next coming weeks rather. But the thing... uh, about this that's interesting is, this is after Jesus washes the disciples' feet. This is basically at the same time of the Last Supper, and they're sitting reclining, and they have this discussion. And Jesus has just basically called out Judas, and he says, you're going to be my betrayer. And he, and he identifies, and everybody was kind of scratching their head. They didn't know exactly what that meant at the time, but they would find out very, very shortly. So this is the context of which all these discussions are being brought into. And Jesus is teaching with pinpoint accuracy and clarity. And this is what he says. And I know this may be a little bit awkward. We don't do this a lot. But I want us to all read this verse together, okay? I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is Jesus' words to his disciples and to us this morning. He says, I am the way. We talked about the way last, last week. We kind of talked about the way that we live our life. It's, it's becoming more like Christ. And I said, well, how could we actually do that? I said, the reason why we can do that is because we have the Holy Spirit as, as a guide to teaching us of the way that we live our life. I, I kind of caught you up on that a minute ago. And this week, it's talking more about the truth. What is the truth? What is the truth? How, how do we interpret truth? How are we going to be able to find the answer to what truth is in our life? And the thing about the whole Jiminy Cricket theology idea is, if we always let our conscience be our guide, we will be let down a lot. We'll be let down a lot. See, the thing that that Jiminy Cricket was kind of speaking into Pinocchio, Pinocchio needed to know what to do in his life. He was, he kind of, he didn't know what to do. And of course, we know Pinocchio told lies and what happened. His nose grew, right? So he was like trying to live his life, and or theoretically, okay, it's a movie, that kind of thing. But he's like trying to do the right thing, and he didn't know the right thing to do. And they, and and then there, the, this little blue fairy thing, and and you know, is it is true story, right? You see it. It's like a little blue fairy speaking to him, and Jiminy Cricket's talking to him, and they're trying to help him to discern what is that little voice that you hear. And he says, hey, you know, when you're getting ready to do something and you hear that little voice in your mind, that little voice is the thing that's called your conscience. And he says, always let your conscience be your guide, right? That may, that may work for a little wooden puppet, but that's not going to work for you and I this morning. It's not. 
Now, if you are not walking with Christ, I have to, uh, just before we even dig into this, the context of which we're teaching from is into the life of a Christian. If you're not walking with Christ this morning, um, this may not make a whole lot of sense to you, but I ask that you stick around, you come back, and it will make more sense to you. Our hopes are that you would um, feel compelled to receive Christ, so these things will make sense, and truly you'll find purpose in your life. That's what we are about here at this great church. So, can we trust our conscience? Let's dig into John 16, verse 12 through 16. We're going to be in two passages. This is the first one, and then I'm going to ask you to flip uh, to the next one in a moment. Verse 12 says this. Jesus' words there again. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into what? All truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears. And He will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to Me by taking from what is Mine and making it known to you. He will make it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is Mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is Mine and make it known to you. There again, He says, the Spirit will take from what is Mine. This is a reference to the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit is mentioned in this text. And that's... uh, kind of the, the, the Trinitarian God, what we believe here at this church, um, fundamental Christian belief and doctrine. And there are three different things that I want for us to kind of gather from this this morning. And the first one that we're going to uh, see is in verse 13. He says, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. Because the Holy Spirit Himself is the author of truth. The reason why He can guide us into truth is because the Holy Spirit is the author of truth. If you would, hold your place there. You're going to go to the right in your Bible to 2 Peter. It's close to the back of the New Testament, the back of the Bible. If you get to Revelation, you went too far. If you, went, if you found Hebrews, you need to go a little bit further. It's 2 Peter 1. We're just going to be there for a minute. This is talking about how the Holy Spirit is the author of truth. For us to understand what truth is this morning, we have to know where the truth comes from and why we can trust that truth. In 2 Peter 1, verse 20 and 21, this is what it says. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. Listen to this. For the prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the author of truth. We find the words of truth in this book. The reason why we can trust this book is because this book is without error. This book is what we say infallible and it is all truth. The Bible is the word of God and we believe that. Scripture teaches it. There's another scripture that I I want for us to see this morning. And this is an enlightening thing for us as well. It's 2 Timothy 3.16. This is from the Message Translation. This is what it says. Every part of Scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, and training us to live God's way. Through the Word, we are put together and shaped up for the task that God has for us. 
What that, what that is saying is that the Word of God is God-breathed. It's inspired of God. We saw in 2 Peter chapter 1, in, in, in that passage that we just read, we saw that the Holy Spirit is the author of truth. This is another building block that I want us to see this morning, that the Holy Spirit just confirms that message, that He is the author of truth. And it says that every part of Scripture is God-breathed, God-inspired, and is useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, and training us to live God's way. Four things that are very key there is it's showing us truth, that it is the inspired Word, the inspired word of God. When you and I get into the Bible and we read the Bible, which is important that we do so, and the reason why, another reason why I point out this scripture is for us to be shown truth, we have to get into the Word of God. We have to get into the Word of God personally. And it says it shows us truth. It shows us truth. And then it exposes our rebellion in the areas of our life that we push back against God, that God says, hey, this is the way you need to live your life. But we say, God, I'll live the way you want me to here, but I'm going to push back. I don't, I'm, I'm, that's rebellion. When you push back against God, that's sin and rebellion. But then also it says that it corrects our mistakes. So this implies that maybe that we're on our way, continuing from last week, and now we're, we're on a course of our life and as we go through Scripture, that God would confirm or deny in the Holy Spirit the direction that we're living our life. And it says it, it's correcting our mistakes. So it, in, air, in essence, it's, like, it's a course correction along the way. That's what the Word of God does. And then it says, it very, very plainly puts this, and I love this translation. It says it's just training us to live God's way. Just training us to live God's way. That's what the Word of God is meant to do. That is, well, it, it does a lot of things, but that is one of the things that it does best. But I have to tell you, many of us, we hear Scripture, we read Scripture, we get into the Scriptures, maybe we come and sit in a setting like this, we hear the truth presented to us, and then yet we find ourselves making excuses why we aren't going to apply the principle of that day. But I have to just kind of push back against that because we're all guilty of that at one stage or another. We've all sat in seats just like this or in pews just like this and we've heard guys just like me in, in, in settings very similar to this and we push back and we push back of the things that we don't like. But excuses only delay the solutions, don't they? The excuses that we make only delay the solutions. The solutions to life, to the problems of your life, are found in the Word of God. And when we make excuses, and when we, when we ourselves filter what we want to hear, and say, you know what, ah, I, I, man, I really like that, I, that really revs me up. But yet, when we're challenged in the Word of God, whether in a setting like this, or in private study at home, and we're challenged by the Word of God, and we don't let the Word penetrate us, we're not going to become the person that God wants us to be. In our our excuses only delay the real solutions that God wants to have for us. Excuses. We all have them. Amen. I need all the help I can get. That's awesome. So, verse 13, we see that the Holy Spirit is the author of truth. Now, verse 14, the, uh, the, the second 
point that I want to draw out from this. And it says, He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit, this is awesome in the life of a believer. He says that I, I, I'm, Jesus says, I'm privy to this information, but the Holy Spirit is going to let you in on some of the things that I know about. The second point, this should be on the screen as well, that the Holy Spirit illuminates spiritual truth. The Holy Spirit illuminates spiritual truth. When we go through and read the Word of God ourselves, and I implore you, I beg you to do this for yourself, to get in, have a personal time of study, because if you rely on me to, to set the, the whole course of your life spiritually, we're both going to be disappointed. It's, it takes each and every one of us to have an intimate walk with Christ, a daily walk with Christ. Whether If you're not doing any, any reading at home... You know what? I would recommend that you go to a website like crosswalk.com. It's a great website. There's different varieties of devotionals to kind of jump in to at least get a little bit of Scripture every day. It's a great tool. But the Holy Spirit illuminates spiritual truth. That way, when you go through and you read the Bible, that you read it and there's... You know, you ever if you've done this, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Like you, you go through and maybe you like read the Bible and there's just something that you read and you're like, wow. You ever had that moment to where you read it and you're like, wow. That's because the Holy Spirit is illuminating spiritual truth to you. The Holy Spirit is illuminating spiritual truth. You have a couple of options when that happens. You can ask this question, which is the good question. God, what is it that you want me to gain, that you want me to gain, or you want me to be challenged by this passage or this verse? What part of this truth is it that I need to incorporate into my life? That's a good thing to ask. That's the next logical step. But I have to tell you, and, and I'm, I'm guilty of this because of the nature of what I do and, and the nature of, of kind of maybe my personality. One of the things that I falter in, and maybe you're the same way in this, is that we read it and you're like, mm, man, such and such needs that. Woo, man, that is good. I need to tell my wife that one. You know, or, or, or maybe that, that you ladies go through and you're like, mm, man, my, need, my man needs to hear that. I pray in the Holy Spirit that he would receive that quickly, right? That's one, but that's one of the options is, is when we, we have that truth illuminated to us. The second point for this morning is that when that's illuminated to us, what do we do with it? Do we ask God the next logical question is, God, what is it that you want me to incorporate into my life from this spiritual truth? Or what we, what we sometimes do is we just let that bounce off of us and say, you know what, oh, I need to give that to somebody else, or man, I wish, somebody, I wish I could just let somebody have it with this verse. But then the last thing that sometimes we do is when that truth is illuminated to us, that we just let it bounce right off of us. We just let it poof, just bounce off of us and we pretend that we never received it to begin with. That's a scary place to be. We're going to talk more about that in a couple minutes. It's a scary place to be. There's uh, another verse. and Like I said, there's several verses that, that I'm going to kind of bring to you this morning. I would recommend that you write these things down. I don't, I don't want you to just take my word for it. Even if it's on the screen, I want you to go home and I want you to look up all these verses that I'm going to present to you this morning because... The truth has been illuminated to me. I know that the Holy Spirit is the author of truth. And in the next point that I'm not going to let you have just yet, um, because it's going to answer the question, what in the world is that blue thing doing up here? But for, for you this morning, I want you to take 
what I'm saying, I want you to take it. I want you to read it later. I want you to, to have this, the idea of the Holy Spirit and the truth that's presented by the Holy Spirit to really permeate you. And I want you to study it out yourself. But the scripture that will be on the screen is Romans 9.1. And Romans 9.1 says this. I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying, the Apostle Paul writes. My conscience does what? Confirms it in the Holy Spirit. This is interesting. Getting back to the idea of our conscience. So now, Paul writes, I speak the truth in Christ. He says, I'm not lying. And what the implication there is, he says, if I were lying, the Holy Spirit would reveal that to my conscience and I would know that I was doing something wrong. And Paul, not boastfully, he humbly says this. He says, I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. He says, and the reason why I know I'm not lying right now is because my conscience is being confirmed with the Holy Spirit. My conscience is being confirmed with the Holy Spirit. If, if you are not walking with Christ this morning, all you have to, to filter out decisions of your life in the course of your life is your conscience. And the problem with that is, and I have to just let you in on this little secret, the problem with that is your conscience has been tainted. Your conscience has been tainted by the way that you were brought up. Your conscience has been tainted by really what your social class, wherever you live, and like if you're upper class, middle class, lower class, or wherever you fit into that, it's been tainted by that. It's been tainted by a word that really that happened, what got us into the problems that we're in, in Genesis 3 was the fall of man. Sin has changed us. We cannot trust our conscience. Our conscience is the liar. Our conscience is the liar in and of itself. If we only rely on our conscience, that small little voice, that small little voice, if we only rely on that, we, we will make a lot of bad mistakes. Now, I, I'm not going to paint that an all ugly picture and you would say, Pastor, yeah, that's, that's true. But for me, I remember when I, even before I walked with Christ that I didn't always make bad decisions. Sometimes I made good decisions. And in my heart, that I, I think that I have some good element. And I would say you do. Because each and every one of us, the Word says that we were created in the image of God. And if we were created in the image of God, that means that and you were created in the likeness of God. So if you were created in His likeness, that means that you have some of His attributes. So you are going to bring some good into the world even without the Holy Spirit. So your conscience, you say, well, you know what, I've made good decisions, and yes, I've made bad decisions. I'm not saying that that you're always going to be making bad decisions, but what I'm saying is you cannot just rely on your conscience because that small little voice, if you're the same as me, and I I think we're all in the same boat, that small voice, if it's not informed by something else, is a liar a lot of times. It lies to us. Titus 1, 15 and 16, this is is not going to be on the screen. Uh, It says this, To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. They claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny Him. I'll say it again. He says, To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. He's saying, you know what? To the saved, all things are pure. 
Those of us who are walking with Jesus Christ, we, have, we can live a life of purity through Jesus Christ. We can do that. To the pure, all things are pure. But he says, but to those who are corrupted, those who have not received Christ, he says, to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. He says, in fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. That's Titus 1, 15 and 16. He says, both their mind and consciences have been corrupted. That means that there's something that's happened along the way. That's what I talked about from Genesis 3. That there's something that happened along the way. Yes, you can make some good decisions. You say, wow, you know, I, I, I have brought some good into the world in my heart. I think that, that I, I do have some good in it. I would say you do. But if you have not received Christ, I would also say that you have some wickedness in your heart as well. And I, I don't say that for myself and boasting and, and saying that about you personally. What I'm saying is that's what the Bible teaches about every person who's walked on the face of the earth and the way that we're made right is through Jesus. And that's the only way. Like the verse, John 14, 6, the verse that was on the screen to begin this talk, it said what? You, you spoke it with me. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, Right? Now, many of us, I, I mentioned this, many of us, we, we, the reason why we've been tainted by our mind and our conscience is some of it's by our upbringing. Some of us are, because of, of pleasures that we have in our life and things that, that God has given us, and He's given us grace in areas that we start to take advantage of. We've been corrupted because then once we have some of those pleasures, we start to think in our conscience says, man, I really like that. I like pleasure. I need more pleasure. And then that pleasure starts to not be a gift of God. It starts to be something that we think we deserve. It's because our mind and our consciences have been corrupted. And we've been corrupted for us. And we all have a tendency, and of those of us who, who have raised kids or are raising kids, kids are stingy. They get it honest. Who's their mom and dad? That's all I'm saying. Right? But they get that. That's, that's one of the results of the events of Genesis 3. All of us, we have been tainted our mind and our consciences. So we, we can't accept this Jiminy Cricket theology and say, you know what, always let your conscience be your guide. You can't. But your conscience can be your guide if you let the Holy Spirit be the strainer of spiritual truth. Be the strainer of spiritual truth. Now, to prove this point, I, I need your help. Okay, this is really old. This is from our house. Um, we actually got this as a wedding gift, right, hon? That's awesome. Um, I don't think I've ever used it, which is more awesome, but Marla has made a lot of spaghetti with this, right? Uh, to you, is this a, uh, if this is a strainer, raise your hand. Raise it high. You don't have to be ashamed. Man. All right. If this is a colander, raise your hand. Okay. I'm not even speaking to you people. This is a strainer at my house. This is a strainer at my house. But what does this do? Like when, and I, I love spaghetti, right? Uh, big fan of spaghetti. Um, I have a little bit of Italian in me. It's probably why. But this is a strainer, right? You take and you boil the noodles. You track with me so far? Hey, men, if you've ever wondered how spaghetti was made, this is going to help you right now, okay? But you boil the noodles. When the noodles are done, right, and, and you know they're done, 
You put them in here and you drain the water, but what's left? The noodles, right? And they're awesome. And then you mix it in with the sauce and it becomes amazing spaghetti. Served with just a little bit of cheesy bread and that just like right top shelf. I mean, it's awesome. It's great. But for us... The Holy Spirit is the strainer of truth because when we hear things, maybe we hear things at work. Maybe, maybe that you watch the, the news, right? Which you need to strain a lot of that to see what is truth and what's not truth. And I don't care what news channel you watch there. Um, local, global, whatever. But for us, we have all kinds of influences, a thing of being brought into our life. We have all kinds of influences and things being forced to us. We listen to the radio. We sing songs. Maybe some of those songs have some truth in them. Maybe some of them don't. Maybe for you and I, we watch things on television. Maybe it's a funny sitcom. And we have to have something to filter all this truth. We have to have something to filter the truth because we're having all kinds of things just kind of thrown at us on a regular basis. And for us, the Holy Spirit is the strainer of truth. When all of these things, it's supposed to be. And our, our spirit, the Holy Spirit, confirms this with our conscience. It confirms this with our conscience. The only way that you can trust your conscience, if it is informed by the Holy Spirit. That's it. That's the only way you can trust your conscience. That small little voice is a liar. Okay? Just like Pinocchio. And the, the way we know that it's a liar is because your nose grows. That's, right? Not really. But the Holy Spirit is the strainer of truth. All of these things come in. Okay, what, is the, what, what do people say about the way that we live? What, is the people, what do people say? What do your coworkers say about you? What, do, what does the, the media say about this, the condition of the world we're in? You know, because if you watch the media, they would, and really, and if you watch shows on television, they would lead you to think that the world is over tomorrow, whether by by some exploding volcano, there's going to be some financial meltdown, which, you know, and all of us, we could all sit and debate that all day. You know, whether it's a volcano, a meltdown, um, financially, whatever, earthquake, you know, some big rift, there's California is going to be an island, whatever. It's like you watch, you watch all these things on TV, and if we were to have a knee-jerk reaction to all of the things that we hear, we would just straight freak out, would we not? There has to be something of which to filter all of that through. And the Holy Spirit is the strainer of truth. And the stuff that's left over is great. And as everything else that goes through it, we have to say that's garbage. Throw it away just like the water that is discarded when we make spaghetti. Everybody who likes spaghetti, say amen. That's awesome. Good. Good, good. Hmm. But there's danger here also. And I would be remiss not to tell you this because if I'm honest, this is, this is where a lot of Christians are. This is where a lot of Christians are. Some of us have allowed our, the Holy Spirit to become silent in our life. Some of us, maybe when we started walking with Christ and we allowed the Holy Spirit to inform us about life and we received what the Holy Spirit said in our life and we've, we've taken that information and we said, wow, I need to do something with this. But then as we've gone through life and, and really 1, Corinthians, or excuse me, 1 Thessalonians 5 mentions this, it mentions this word about quenching the Holy Spirit. Some of us in our life have actually done this in areas that we don't like. 
And the Holy Spirit has maybe spoke to you and said, hey, you need to get your finances in order. And your conscience, being confirmed with the Holy Spirit, you've received this, this is truth, and yet the Holy Spirit says, hey, you need to get your finances in order. You need to get your finances in order. But after a while, what happens is this. This I challenge you with. Listen closely. The Holy Spirit speaks to you at first like this. Hey, you need to get your finances in order. But then it continues and it says, hey, you need to get your finances in order. Hey, you need to get your finances in order. Hey, you need to get your finances in order. And what's happened is you've stopped listening to the Holy Spirit. You have become numb to the Holy Spirit. And I have to tell you, if you're walking with Christ this morning and that's the place you are, you're a danger to yourself and you're a danger to those around you. Because we need to be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit because not only does the Holy Spirit set the course and direction of our life and teach us the way to go, but also it helps us to receive truth. And for us, if we've quenched the Holy Spirit, and it's not just finances. Many of us, it's, it's maybe a brother or sister that we haven't talked to in years and we've said, you know what? I'm done with them. I'm, I'm not living the same way as them. I don't, even, I don't even want to talk to them anymore. And the Holy Spirit has, has knocked on your heart and it says, hey, you need to go talk to them. Hey, you need to go talk to them. And after a while, you just become numb to it and you don't hear it anymore. And the only way to get that back is by going on your knees before a holy God and asking for forgiveness. And asking Him, speak to me, Lord, because I, I know that what I've done is wrong. I have rebelled against your way, then I have quenched the Spirit in that situation. It's, it's much in the same way, not, not with the Holy Spirit, but it's, it's the same way that we've had so many tragedies that have happened over the last, well, forever, but uh, since humans have existed. But it's, it's, the Holy Spirit can be quenched to where... You cannot allow the Holy Spirit to inform you about things in your life. It's the same way that if you're not walking with Christ or somebody who's not walking with Christ, that their conscience can be numbed. It's, it's the same type of thing that has led to the atrocities with, with the Nazi prison camps. It's the same type of thing because I guarantee you that the, the, the people at the prison camp, as they're letting the people in to be executed into these concentration camps, they knew it was wrong, but after a while they just kept going in and going in and going in, and after a while they just stopped feeling it anymore. And now, because it's being accepted socially across the way, then it must be what? Okay. And their conscience has become numb about it. So I have to say, this is, this is not just, you know, with, with Christians, it's numbing the Holy Spirit, and also, it's, it seems very drastic, as far as, speaking, you know, of Nazi Germany and what happened there. But really, both of them have been tainted by depraved minds and depraved hearts. They come from the same place. Well, you're probably thinking, well, Pastor, you know, you picked the most drastic of example. Yeah, well, I did. But let me tell you something that's, that's even a little bit worse than that. Let me tell you, and this maybe will resonate just a little bit more. This is, here's some of the implications of this idea of quenching the Holy Spirit. Say a Christian man is, is working and yet he's feeling a little bit distant at home 
And he's, he's not like wanting to engage his kids and not wanting to engage his wife like he should. So he decides, you know what? Um, it would probably be best that I just stay at work and do a little bit of overtime. I just want to work a little bit of overtime. And in his mind and in his heart, he rationalizes and he says, you know what? I'm going to work a little bit of overtime. I'm, there's some, some stuff at home that I don't want to deal with. So I'm going to stay at work. And he can rationalize and he can, he can put it into a context where it all seems rosy and makes sense to him. And it's the same type of thing. He stays at work and he says, you know what? I'm going to make more money. I'm going to bring it home. We need money to survive. I like to eat, especially spaghetti. I like all these things. So now I've, I'm working and I'm working overtime. And after a while, it just becomes a problem. And his wife speaks to him and he says, like I said, these are, these are Christian folks, right? So they're being informed by the what? The Holy Spirit, not just their conscience, the Holy Spirit. And, and, and his wife comes in, maybe speaking with the Holy Spirit, and it says, hey, you need to, uh, you're working a lot of overtime. Um, I'm, really, I'm worn out. I, I, I can't do this. I'm, I'm, I'm managing things at home, and maybe, maybe she works, maybe she doesn't. But now she's having to take care of all these things when he was supposed to be doing his part at home. And now she feels like she's just juggling five balls, and she says, you know what, I just can't juggle all these things. It, it's, it's exhausting. I'm going to bed late and I'm getting up early. I'm getting the kids dressed. I'm making sure that the kids' lunches are made. I'm coming home. I'm making dinner. You're never home for dinner, but the kids have to eat. And all these things. And she speaks to her husband and says, Hey, could you please, could you, could, I, I know you're working late. Maybe could you trim that back to where you only work late two days a week? And he says, You know what, honey? I need you to just keep balancing those balls. I, I, I need you to keep juggling those things because I'm working. I've got to work overtime. And what he's doing is, as the Holy Spirit is telling him, Hey, you need to be at home. You need to be at home. You need to be at home. But he says, You know what? I'm going to be at work. I'm going to be at work. And after a while, it sounds like this. He doesn't hear it anymore. And at that point, maybe just previous to that, he's become a danger to his wife and he's become a danger to his kids because then his wife says, I'm doing this on my own anyway. I don't think I really need him. Now, similar thing happens with, and I'm not just trying to, to set up a, a generalization here, but say... That, uh, that a, a, a Christian wife has a spinning problem, right? She ha- maybe she has a spinning problem, and, and this, this spinning problem, it just kind of goes on. And maybe a different situation, different scenario, maybe the, the guy is, is the one who brings in, maybe it's the, the, the father, husband, who brings in the finances for that family, and yet everything that comes in is just like, like all the money is just like hemorrhaging out of the checking account, and, and he goes to work and she goes shopping. Right? And after a while, he just says, well, honey, I'm, I'm trying to bring in, I'm working overtime, I'm trying to do all these things, I'm trying to do everything I can do, I'm trying to bring in as much money as I can, and I know the kids need clothes, but seriously, do they need that many clothes? And I know you need clothes, but seriously, do you need that many clothes? And do we really need a new couch? And we do, do we really need a new car? And did you really need to buy that SUV? And, you know, couldn't we have, couldn't we have done something different here? And all of a sudden, he's exhausting himself trying to fix the hemorrhage that's being caused by the overspending. And the Holy Spirit would say, hey, you need to get your finances in order. Hey, you don't need to buy that. Hey, you didn't need that gym membership. Hey, you didn't need that. And then after a while, it sounds like you don't hear the Holy Spirit anymore. And now you become that person has now become a danger to everyone around him. And now the family dissolves. 
So much stress is put on the husband. He can't do it all. Different scenario. Maybe you're a student this morning. Maybe you're in, in school. And maybe for you, you're being presented with, uh, with some, some friends, so-called friends. I say that loosely. Maybe some friends are speaking to you and, and they're like, hey, you need to come in and you need to be part of this group. And as soon as you get a little bit involved in that group, like just on the cusp of being involved, you look and say, wow, something is not right about these friends or something is not right about that situation. And they say, hey, why don't you come in and hang out with us? You can come and be one of us. And yet that student, the Christian student trying to be a representative of Christ in that place says, you know what, I, I, I I feel this lure. I want to be included in this group because I feel like I stand alone, but yet I don't want to go there because I see that there's something not right about it. But then you fall. The Holy Spirit says, please don't hang out with them. Please don't hang out. But yet that student falls. And the student says, yeah, I'll go with you. And they get invited to go to a party on a Friday night. And they get invited to this party on a Friday night and, and the student finds himself like a fish out of water and everybody's, you know... It's middle Georgia, right? So there's a bunch of pine trees, a bunch of ponds, and a great opportunity for them to drink and to do drugs. So say they go out in, in the country and they're out in some hidden pines and they think everything's fine and everybody else is drinking and I'm here so I want to fit in with them so naturally I'm going to do what? I'm going to take a drink. And then all of a sudden they're sitting there having a good time. All they, they hear are sirens and they see lights and there's a raid over the party. It took one decision to get that student. Now their life has been corrupted. Now they've got a rap sheet and a hangover. And they're wondering why their life was set in the course that it was. It's because the Holy Spirit had become numb. I don't even know, I don't know where you are this morning. But I have to let you know, if you're just trying to live your life off intuition... In your own conscience, you're in a losing battle. And not just you're losing, but those that are around you. But maybe you are. Maybe, you, maybe you're walking with Christ this morning and you say, you know what, Pastor, I, I get it. I mean, I, I've lived this. I've had these situations where I've, I've, I've had these moments in my life where I was really felt informed by the Holy Spirit. It's like the, the stranger of truth, I know he's the author of truth and the, the spiritual truth was revealed to me and I made changes in my life. The best thing you can do for that is to continue to give God glory and to share that with other people about successes that you've had. Because I guarantee you, this is not a very big room and there's not a whole lot of people here this morning, but I have to let you know something. You have something to add into someone else's life. If you've had a victory and the Holy Spirit has helped you and your walk with Christ has allowed you to have victory in areas of your life, I want you to pour into someone else. God gets the glory, continual glory, when we pour into other people. And there's no better time than we are having success through the work of the Holy Spirit in our life is the Holy Spirit informs our conscience to say, hey, you need to make a correction here. Hey, you're rebelling against me here. Hey, I'm trying to train you to live in a Christ-like manner. But it starts with listening. It starts with listening. And if you, if you are a Christian this morning, did you know that you have, you already 
if you're a Christian, you have the ability to conquer sin in your life. You do. That should bring great hope to you this morning. You have the ability to conquer sin in your life. Because if we have the Word of God, and we have the Holy Spirit ministering to us, and not just our our fallen conscience, if we have these things, we have the tools to be informed and to succeed without sinning, without erring in our life. But that's when the grace of God becomes so awesome. Because say we go through and, and... like we saw in 2 Timothy 3.16 and just correcting us. Maybe we, we thought we were doing the right thing and yet we've set our way and we need to change course. There's this thing that the Bible speaks, specifically the New Testament speaks a lot about. It's about grace. And that's when grace becomes amazing because though you've made mistakes, we've all made mistakes. And if we were to just kind of have like an open forum of all the, dis- make, all the mistakes that we've made, we'd be here all day, wouldn't we? That's a good idea. We'll start over here. Not really. We'd be here all day. We've all, if, if you're walking with Christ, you've been saved from something, but more importantly, you've been saved to something. And the thing that you've been saved to is living your life on mission for Jesus Christ. And there's no better way to do it than when you're informed by the Holy Spirit. You allow the Holy Spirit to come in and speak into your life. And knowing that we have the power to overcome sin. That God's grace is sufficient to fulfill all of our needs. His grace is sufficient. I don't know if you believe that this morning. That His grace is sufficient. Do you believe that this morning? Say amen. His power is great and His power has worked out the best in the heart of a believer who surrendered to Him. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to have the band come up and close us in a song. And as we kind of, uh, you guys can come up while I pray, it's fine. We can multitask on stage. Um, as As we sing this last song together, I just want... I just want the truth that you've been presented with today and maybe through our prayer right now, I just want you to let that sink a little bit deeper. And then my hope as we sing this song of truth that it would